With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Greetings to all of you, and I hope all our China-based listeners had a fantastic time over the Dragon Boat public holiday. That is especially so for our listeners down in Shanghai, as many of you will know, after a grueling couple of months, Shanghai officially ended its lockdown on June 1st. So here's what's coming up on this week's show. The EU says China will take advantage of Russia's energy woes. An American semiconductor giant says it is committed to the Chinese market for the long run. Meanwhile, another major American technology company, Amazon, is downscaling its business in the country. And there's been a lot of outrage over primary school textbook illustrations, of all things. With all the biggest news from China's business scene, here is your weekly update. And since we're just easing back into the week, how about we kick things off with this intriguing story about controversial textbooks. Uh, China's top education body has launched an investigation into textbook illustrations. That's after the offending drawings were criticized online for being ugly, sexually suggestive, and politically questionable. The fuss is all about illustrations in primary school mathematics textbooks. Although the textbooks were reportedly published around a decade ago and have been used in various parts of China, the images recently went viral online. Waves of social media users wasted no time in blasting the hideous drawings of school kids with large mouths, stuck out tongues and small eyes. Others hit out at the images inappropriately sexual nature, supposedly, including boys depicted with bulging crotches and girls with visible underwear. Also creating quite the scandal was an illustration of one child dressed in a t-shirt with stars and stripes, a pattern similar to the U.S. flag. China's education ministry has assembled a team to probe the controversial textbooks issued by the People's Education Press and said that there will be nationwide review of school materials. The ministry added that anyone found to have broken any rules would be punished. It has been a rough week for Calvin Choi, who's the chairman and CEO of a financial services provider in Hong Kong. Why is that? Well, Hong Kong's securities regulator is seeking to ban Choi from the securities industry for two years. 
According to legal documents, he is facing the ban on the grounds of professional misconduct, although Choi is appealing the decision. The 43-year-old was previously accused of financial fraud by debt-ridden investment firm Minsheng Investment. The company had entrusted Choi with billions of yuan to invest after buying a major stake in his company, AMTD, in 2015. However, Minsheng Investment did not get much of its money back, sparking a public fallout with Choi. In other news, the Chinese economy is still reeling from the impact of COVID outbreaks. Services activity in China shrank for the third straight month in May, although not as severely as the previous month. That is according to the latest Caixin China Services PMI survey, which gives an independent snapshot of operating conditions in the sector. In May, the reading rose to 41.4 from 36.2 in April, a number above 50 indicates an expansion in activity, while a figure below that points to a contraction. The services reading accompanies a contraction in manufacturing activity. Since March, China has been grappling with its most severe wave of COVID-19 outbreaks since the pandemic erupted in Wuhan in late 2019. The Chinese government's zero-COVID policy has weighed on economic activity with quarantine and lockdown measures in many regions disrupting the tourism, entertainment, and restaurant industries. Many economists predict that China will fall short of its around 5% GDP growth target for this year. And on that note, Shanghai is taking steps to revive its economy after coming out of lockdown. The municipal government is aiming in particular at propping up the property market as well as supporting smaller enterprises and consumer demand. In a policy document, the city says it will approve new housing projects and allow developers to delay the payment of land purchases to authorities. It also pledges preferential policies to help people buying their first or second home without giving specifics. The government also said that small businesses and self-employed people who rent space from state-owned entities will be offered six rent-free months, adding that it encouraged private property owners to follow suit. The government will offer up to 3 million yuan, or just over $450,000, to property owners who waive rent. Moving on to some energy news, the EU's trade chief says that Beijing will take advantage of Russia's energy conundrum. Speaking to Bloomberg, European Commissioner Valdis Dombrovskis said that China will make good use of Moscow's pressure to expand its energy customer base. According to Dombrovskis, the scenario will, quote, not be very advantageous for Russia, adding that at present, Moscow is selling crude oil to Beijing at a 35% discount. The news comes as the EU is preparing to slap a ban on up to 90% of Russian oil imports. Also in the news over the past week is Ant Group, the Chinese fintech giant controlled by billionaire Jack Ma. The company has named two new independent directors as part of a board reshuffle amid tightening regulatory scrutiny. Laura Cha, chairperson of the Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing, and veteran lawyer Yang Xiaolei, have recently been added to the company's board of directors. The board reshuffle comes as Ant Group is ramping up efforts to improve its corporate governance to apply for a financial holding company license. The company announced in April last year 
that it will restructure itself into a financial holding company overseen by the central bank. The plan is part of the company's rectification required by the government after a regulatory storm that saw its planned blockbuster IPO suspended in November 2020. Moving from fintech to semiconductors, American chip giant Qualcomm says it is committed to the China market for the long haul in spite of growing competition and bilateral tensions. In an exclusive interview with Caixin, Cristiano Amon, the president and CEO of Qualcomm, said that, quote, strong and long-term partnerships between American and Chinese enterprises will always be a stabilizing force in the relationship between the two countries, end quote. As one of the world's largest smartphone chip suppliers, Qualcomm has a large array of Chinese customers, including phone makers Xiaomi, Oppo, and Vivo. But escalating tensions between the U.S. and China have seen the company caught in a crossfire. Its share of the China chip market shrank after Washington sanctioned Huawei Technologies, once a major customer of Qualcomm, in 2019, barring the Chinese telecom giant from accessing U.S. technologies. However, Amon said he is optimistic about the business outlook in China and that Qualcomm may serve as a model of what a successful partnership between the American and Chinese corporations can be. Let's turn now to Nandini Venkata, podcast producer for Tyson Global and co-producer of this program. Uh, let's turn to her for a closer look at a big business story from the week. Nandini, welcome back. Hi, Kaiser. Great to be back. And what are we going to be talking about this week? So for this week's show, I'd like to talk about Amazon pulling one of its most popular products from the Chinese market. I'm, of course, talking about the Kindle. Yeah, so last week, Amazon made a really big announcement. It said that it had stopped supplying its Kindle e-readers to retailers in China. And it also said that next year, it's going to be closing down its Chinese digital bookstore. So this is, you know, really quite big news because the Kindle has been really popular in China. Um, I think it was in 2017, just after, just four years after the Kindle was launched over here, that China emerged as the Kindle's largest global market. Um, so the Asian country actually represented over 40% of the Kindle's world device sales volume. Wow. 40%. That is no small piece. What is the likely impact of this? Amazon says that this will mean that um, after June 30th, 2023, customers will no longer be able to download already purchased ebooks. However, already downloaded books on Kindles won't be affected. So I guess the big takeaway from this is if there's a book that you really want to get, don't procrastinate. Maybe you should just get it now and have it on your e-reader before it's too late. Um, now, aside from that, Amazon has also stressed that um, despite these measures, the company's commitment to customers in China isn't going to change. It's still uh, committed to China for the long haul. Okay, so then why are they pulling the Kindle at all? I think, first of all, it's important to understand that the e-reader market has become increasingly competitive. 
Um, so even though back in 2017, um, the Kindle was phenomenally popular over here in China, in recent years, we don't know how um, popular it has been. And that's because Amazon hasn't disclosed specific Kindle sales in its financial statements in recent years. And of course, you also have to remember that the ebook market has become increasingly cutthroat. Not only are different e-readers coming out from different companies, but of course, a lot of us have now gotten into the habit of reading on our cell phones. And this is largely thanks to um, various mobile reading apps. All of this is putting pressure on the Kindle. And then there's another quite interesting point. Um, a Kindle dealer told Saishin that um, there are actually a lot of customers in China who, you know, just don't want to pay for copyright protected ebooks. This is going to, you know, dampen business for Amazon's digital bookstore. Now, aside from um, what's going on with e-readers or Amazon, I think you can see a bigger picture start to emerge here. It looks like the foreign tech companies may be feeling the heat and pressure and opting to downsize their business operations in the Asian country or just completely pack up and leave. So, of course, um, one very striking development that we saw last year was um, LinkedIn announced that it was going to be pulling its international version of its um, professional networking platform from China. And instead, it introduced a China-specific version of the platform. And LinkedIn attributed its decision to challenges um, related to the changing environment in China, as well as um, greater compliance demands. So even though Amazon hasn't said something like this yet, um, some may speculate that the company may be facing similar challenges. Okay, well, thanks so much. I really appreciate that perspective. It clears up a lot for me, Nandini. Thanks, Kaiser. You're very welcome, and see you soon, I hope. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast and China Corner Office. And for daily news and views, Make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.